Welcome, and thank you for listening to the Miami Vineyard Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, breathes life into you, and helps you experience God's love. Enjoy the message. Well, hello and welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Debbie, and I'm one of the pastors here. And whether you're joining us in person or online, we are so glad you're with us. And next weekend is a big weekend, isn't it? Next weekend, like, there's going to be a lot of money spent. There's going to be champagne popped. There's going to be, at the end of the night, a ring given. And you might be thinking I'm talking Valentine's Day. Oh, no, 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 no. We're talking about Super Bowl weekend. Next weekend is Super Bowl Sunday, and we have some exciting things planned for you guys that Pastor Kevin will tell you about at the end of the service. So we're going to have a lot of fun. But we are down to two football teams. We have the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm just curious who you think is going to win. Who thinks the Kansas City Chiefs are going to win? Okay, that's pretty anemic. Who thinks the Philadelphia Eagles are going to win? That, that was pretty anemic too. I don't know. If you're online, just put in the chat, Chiefs or Eagles, who you think is going to win? Either one. But both of these teams, we know that at the beginning of the season, back last summer, they got together in training camp and they had a dream. They had a dream of winning the Super Bowl. And they looked at each other and they said, we could do this thing. Let's go. And that is the name of the series. We've been in the last month. Let's go. And we looked at how we have dreams. God has given us all a dream. And then we make a decision to act on that dream. And along the way, we face difficulties, delays, and dead ends. And last weekend, we had a great message about how we can go from dead ends to deliverance. And if you've missed any of those messages, you can find them on our YouTube channel. You can go to our website and check them out. You'll, you'll want to listen to them because they were awesome. But what happens when the deliverance you're waiting for never comes? What happens when the dream dies? I mean, these two Super Bowl teams, one of those teams, along with 30 other teams who have already lost, are going to end their season losing, and their dream will die. What happens then? When we face a dream that dies, I mean, the varying degrees of how it affects us is all across the gamut. Like, it might be something simple, and we might just say, that was a season of my life, that dream died, we'll get them next season just like the football teams are going to do. Or it might be a dream you've had that deliverance doesn't come and the death of it rocks you to your core. It might be a marriage that fails. It might be infertility. It might be financial collapse, a business that fails. Who knows what it is? Some of us are going to face the death of a dream. And those moments, they can shake us to our core. It can shake our faith. And I have seen over the years way too many people lose their faith, walk away from God because their dream has died. I have seen pastors, I have seen people in ministry walk away from Jesus because their dream died. And I don't want to see 
that happen to any of us. We've said in this series that if we know these steps, if we know the phases of faith, we can be prepared for what's going to happen, what's going to come our way. That's why we have to talk about this last topic. And it is not fun. It is not a feel-good topic. Like, I want to talk at Christmas time. Can I give you guys a Christmas message? They're fun. They're exciting. It's good news and great joy and happiness, and everybody loves Christmas. But this topic is just not so much fun. I think if we know what to expect when we face the death of a dream, we can weather the storm with our faith intact. And more than that, I think we can come out of this with an even stronger faith. And this weekend, if you want to follow along with our message, we have notes that will be on the screen. Everything will be the Bible verses, the fill-ins, all on the screen. You can just watch there. Or you can use paper. If you like paper and pen, there are paper message notes at the back by each entrance. Or if you're digital, if you have our app, you can use that. And we love our app because it's kind of like having Miami Vineyard in your pocket. It's awesome. You can scan the QR code in front of you if you want to download our app. Or just go to the app store and search Miami Vineyard. Download it. On the the front, it says, this weekend, click there, and you'll see message notes. You can follow along either way. And last weekend, as Pastor Kevin talked about dead end to deliverance, he told the story of Abraham and Sarah. And we talked about this really old couple that were promised a kid, and there was no kid coming, and miraculously, a baby was born to Abraham and Sarah. And they're just one example of people in the Bible that we call heroes of the faith. And we find at the end of the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, a list of these heroes. We call it the hall of faith, kind of. And it lists person after person who followed God in faith. We talk about Moses who parted the Red Sea. Joshua, who conquered enemy kingdoms. It talks about Gideon, a most unlikely warrior. It talks about Samson with his long hair and superhuman strength. David, who as a boy killed giants with a slingshot. Names you've probably heard before are listed there. And then we go on and we read these words. By faith, These people overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. And I so wish this chapter just ended right there. I wish you could just put a period in it, turn the page and say, next chapter and move on. But unfortunately, it doesn't end like that. We keep reading and here's what it says. But others. But others. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, and their backs were cut open with whips. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half, and others were killed with a sword. 
others, their dream died. They didn't receive what was promised. Moses never made it into the promised land. David never got to build the temple of God. And today, I want to talk about a group of people who individually and collectively experienced the death of a dream. And their experience was so devastating that the book in the Bible that talks about it is called Lamentations. Lamenting. Grief. That's how bad their situation was. It's only five chapters, but it's filled with sadness and despair. These people lived 2,600 years ago, but heartbreak is the same today as it was back then. So let me live, give you a little backstory. We started by talking about Sarah and Abraham and this baby that miraculously was born. And this baby grew into a big old nation of people. A whole bunch of people were descended from this child. They became so populous that the country of Egypt was worried and enslaved them. And then along came Moses, and he led the people out of slavery toward the promised land. And we get the Ten Commandments. And there in the promised land, this group of people, the Israelites, they scrape and fight off the enemy, and they build their own kingdom. They build homes and businesses. They have a capital city called Jerusalem. That might sound familiar. They build a temple for God where God lives and dwells and they can meet with him there. And it's their home. And they have freedom. And they live like that for 700 years. But time goes on and they start to stray from God. And they stray from God and they not only make stupid spiritual mistakes, they make some stupid political mistakes too. And the enemy... Their neighboring enemy, the Babylonians, decide to go to war. So the Babylonians want to conquer the Israelites. So they say, the only way we can conquer them is by surrounding the city of Jerusalem and setting a siege, Make, meaning no one can come in, no one can go out. So that's exactly what they do. And they surround the city for 30 months. 30 months. That's two and a half years. No one can come in. No one can go out. And we thought COVID lockdown was bad. We at least had Uber Eats and DoorDash. These people had nothing. And starvation began to set in. And they waited 30 months for deliverance. Man, we panicked when Publix is closed 30 hours. We're at the store the next day at 7 a.m. pounding on the door. Let me in. I need food. 30 months. And the devastation was so unreal. The starvation became so bad that the Bible says mothers would eat their children. That's, that's despair. That's desperate stuff. And you can read about the atrocities and lamentations. And finally, after 30 months, the walls were broken down and the city was set on fire. It was just ruined. The temple was destroyed. And the people that were left alive were taken prisoners of war back to Babylon. The people lost their dream. The deliverance never came. Their dream died. They lost homes 
and families and friends and businesses. They lost their church, their connection to God. They lost their community. They lost their land. They lost their freedom. Their dream died. Their dream died. They were in crisis, religious, spiritual, and political. So I ask you, what dream have you lost? Maybe it was like these people, and you lost a home or a family. Maybe your dream of health or justice or financial stability, it didn't die quickly, but it's just slowly faded away day after day. It's a slow decline until one day you wake up and realize the dream is gone. So the book of Lamentations not only tells us this story, it tells us their feelings and emotions and their lament, their, their sadness over the dead dream. So we're going to look at this and say, what can we learn? What can we do when our dream dies? Number one, the first fill-in, we mourn and grieve. When your dream dies, you mourn and grieve. You give yourself the time and space to cry and mourn the loss. Listen to what the writer in Lamentations tells us. Cry aloud before the Lord, O walls of beautiful Jerusalem. Let your tears flow like a river day and night. Give yourselves no rest. Give your eyes no relief. Rise during the night and cry out. Pour out your hearts like water to the Lord. Over and over in just five chapters, the author of Lamentations says phrases like this, sob through the night. Young women are crying. I weep and tears flow down my cheeks. My heart is broken and my soul despairs. My groans are many. I'm sick at heart. I've cried until tears no longer come. These are words of mourning and grieving. And I don't think we like grief. We don't like to mourn and cry, and we don't like it when other people mourn and cry either. And I think that's because we're uncomfortable. I mean, what do you do when someone's grieving? So often I've seen people just pat someone on the shoulder and say, shh, it'll be okay. And the truth is, it's not going to be okay. That's okay to tell your two-year-old when they fall and skin their knee, shh, it's going to be okay. But that's not what you want to tell someone when they've suffered catastrophic loss. Not at all. Here's what the Bible suggests you do. The Bible suggests you cry right alongside them. Cry with them. Romans 12, 15 says, weep with those who weep. And crying is good for us. But believe it or not, we hate to cry. You know what? I hate to cry because I am what's known as an ugly crier. Anybody else an ugly crier? You relate to that? If you're online, just put ugly in the chat. We'll know what you're talking about. Ugly crier. My face gets red and blotchy. My eyes puff up and snot. There's just snot everywhere. I'm an ugly, ugly crier. So I hate to do it in front of people. But science says that when we cry, our body releases chemicals that relieve distress and physical pain. It's a gift that God's given us to comfort ourselves. It's incredible when you think about it. And spiritually, I think grieving does something else. I think, I think grieving is supernatural. 
I think it can create a connection with God. And here's how Jesus said it in his most famous sermon in Matthew 5. He says, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. When we mourn and grieve, it gets God's attention. It's, it's supernatural. It's weird. And he just responds to our grief with comfort. And it may seem strange, but I think of it this way. I have five kids, and they are all adults now and have moved out of the house and live on their own. Praise Jesus. <laughs> but I love me. Yes, you can applaud. I applaud. Yes. <laughs> but I love my kids. But when one of them is going through a hard time, they have my special attention. When one of them is sad or upset, I sometimes, you know, think a little less often about the other four and concentrate on that one. Just this week, my oldest son, and I have to be over here because he's sitting over there and I don't want to look at him. Just this week, my oldest son called me and he was sad because his two-year-old was just hating daycare. He cries every day they drop him off and it just broke his heart and he doesn't know what to do. And I felt for him. I didn't think about the other four kids so much that day. I thought about him. I checked in with him later on the day. How's it going? I give them a little extra attention when one of my kids is sad. I might Venmo them 10 bucks and say, get some Starbucks. It'll help. They get my attention when they're mourning. And God is a way better parent than I am. When we grieve, it gets his attention. So don't skip this step. Don't skip the beauty of grieving. You might be an ugly crier, but your grief accomplishes something beautiful. And I say beautiful because it's a special place where God meets us. Several years ago, I had an experience with this. I lost a sister after a long battle with cancer. She was 49, and she left behind a husband and two boys. And it was devastating. It was the death of a dream. And I grieved. I grieved for her that she'd never see her sons grow up and get married and meet her grandchildren. I grieved for my brother-in-law who lost her life partner. I grieved for my nephews who lost their mother. I grieved for myself because I lost a friend and a sister. But in that grief, God was so real to me. His presence was there. I, I could feel his arms around me, supporting me and loving me. He met me in my grief. I found beauty and connection with God in the midst of the ugliness of life. And if you're listening today and you feel like your dream has died, whatever kind of dream it is, a failed business, a failed marriage, a career, your health, maybe the death of a loved one like me. Whatever you've experienced that loss, I encourage you to cry out to God and to grieve. Tell him your hurt, your pain, your grief. Tell him. And if you know someone who is in that season of grief, please give them the time and space they need to mourn. That's weeping with those who weep. That's what that is. And we want to be a people of compassion who weep with those who weep. 
That verse also goes on to say, rejoice with those who rejoice. So here on staff at the Vineyard, we've been doing some rejoicing lately because in the last four months, we've had three babies born to staff members and they're all baby girls, girl power. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Four months ago, our worship director, Deborah, gave birth to a a little baby girl. And then just a couple weeks ago, our kids' church director, Miss Kathy, had a baby girl. And that very same week, our social media coordinator, Mei Ling, had a baby girl. And they're, yes, so let's hear it for them. They're beautiful. It just makes my little abuela heart happy to have all these babies around. So we rejoice with them. But all of these ladies have or are resting and healing because when you carry a baby inside of you and they are attached to you and growing, when they're not there anymore, it literally leaves a physical wound inside you. And that's like a dream. When you have a dream in your gut and you're carrying that and and developing it and then it's not there anymore, it leaves a wound inside. So that brings us to number two. What you have to do is stop and heal. Number two is stop and heal. And this is hard. This is a hard one. I mean, we don't like to slow down, do we? We don't want to stop. We don't like to be still. But over and over in the Bible, God tells us to do just that. Psalm 37, 7, be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Psalm 62, 5, let all that I am wait quietly before God, for my hope is in him. Lamentations 3.26, so that's the verse with a book we've been looking at. So it's good to wait quietly for salvation from the Lord. And my favorite, Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Be still. There seems to be this connection between stillness and acknowledging God. It's a moment where we stop doing, we stop doing, and we let God be in charge. And I've seen so many people do just the opposite of this. They try to fill that void in, that light, in their life, that empty place where the dream had lived. They try filling it with activities and hobbies and just busyness. I've even seen them try to fill it with extra serving here at church. Now, I love our volunteers. We call them Team Vineyard. And we could not do what we do without them. From the, the people in blue shirts who greet you with a smile, to the people watching our kids and working with our youth, to the worship team, to the, the production and sound team, to all of them. We couldn't do it. To the online hosts who are chatting with people right now, we love Team Vineyard. But if you're serving to cover up a dead dream, to cover up your wound, it's unhealthy. Just like if you cover up a physical wound and you don't deal with it, it can get infected and it can kill you. Same with our souls and those wounds. If we don't take the time to heal properly, it can kill our relationships, our faith, and it can kill any future dreams. So don't hide your hurt behind serving or busyness. Stop and heal. Be still and let God be God. Others, instead of turning to busyness, 
sometimes try to self-medicate to bring some numbness, to, to avoid the pain of a dead dream. They might self-medicate with drugs or alcohol, pornography, chocolate, video games, social media. It doesn't matter anything. Just bring a moment of numbness to forget. If that's you, if you've, if you've chosen that path to deal with your grief, we have a great group here called Celebrate Recovery. They meet every week. And they also have a group that meets in Spanish, if you prefer Spanish. They can help you with your hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And we've just recently started a group for teens called The Landing, a great place where you can find freedom. We have other groups to help you, like grief share and divorce care, if that's what you're going through. All of these groups are out in the lobby at tables. You can go out there after the service. And there's also just small groups, just a group of people, a community that are going to help you through this time, help you stop and heal. So we mourn and grieve, we stop and heal, and let's pick up our story in Lamentations to see our third point. And the next passage of scripture, I didn't put in your outlines, I didn't print it, I didn't put it on the screens, because I don't want you to read it, I want you to feel it. So as I read it out loud, you might even want to close your eyes and just feel it. Feel what these people were going through. Relate it to how you might be feeling when a dream dies. God has led me into darkness, shutting out all light. He's turned his hand against me again and again all day long. And though I cry and shout, He's shut out my prayers. He's blocked my way with a high stone wall. He's made my road crooked. Everything I had hoped for from him is lost. The thought of my suffering is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Those are powerful words of heartache, powerful words of lament and loss. And some of you can probably relate to them today about when a dream dies, how you feel. Like God has even shut out your prayers. And I am so grateful that this chapter doesn't end here. There is no period. There's more. There's more. And the words that follow are words you have probably heard before. They're words you've said before. They're songs you have sung before, but you've probably never known what they've just followed. So the next time you hear these words that come, think about what these people have gone through. Think what this author has gone through before he says these words. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. Yes. Great is his faithfulness. And that brings us to number three. When your dream dies, this is the hardest thing to do. Dare to hope again. Dare to hope again. 
when your dream is gone, you have to hope again. When we started this series five weeks ago, Pastor Kevin asked you if you wanted to have a stronger faith in 2023. So let me ask you again, do you want to end the year with a stronger faith than you started? This is how you do it. It's exactly how you do it. You have to be brave enough, strong enough to hope again. And that sounds like an impossible thing to do. When you feel so defeated and discouraged and your dream is just shattered, deliverance hasn't come and isn't coming, the thought of doing this all over again of dreaming again, of trusting again, of going through the difficulties and delays and dead ends. It's something you don't want to try again. No, thank you. But look what the author of Lamentations discovers. He says, I can hope again. I can dream again. I can believe when I remember that God's love never ends. The miracle might be in short supply. The breakthrough got stuck. The deliverance was a no-show. But his love, ah, his love is another story. His love, it never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. And there's no shortage of his mercy and his faithfulness either. They're abundant, sustainable, and renewable. So as we wrap up today, I want to leave you with two questions. And I think as you answer them, it's going to help you survive the death of a dream with an even stronger faith. Here's the first question. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? Are you looking at God's hands or are you looking at God's face? And here's what I mean. When you look at God's hands, you're looking for what he can do for you. God, what can you change? What can you create? What can you heal? What mountain can you move? What giant can you kill? What can you do for me? The author of Lamentations was looking for God's hands, looking for deliverance. And it didn't come. But when he looked for God's face... Not what he does, but who he is. He found God. When he looked for God's presence, when he looked for the love of God, that's when he had hope again. So what are you looking at? His hands or his face? The second question, where are you going? Where are you going? What's your destination? If you have said yes to following Jesus, you know your destination. Your destination is guaranteed. Our dreams are never guaranteed. And when we confuse our dreams with our destination, we set ourselves up for failure. Your destination is to be with Jesus and be like Jesus, and that destination will not fail. That's a guarantee from God. That's a guarantee from God. We started by reading Hebrews 11, and the chapter listed all these great men and women of faith, and it tells of many 
who didn't get to live to see the dream. But the chapter ends with these final words. For God wanted them to wait and share the even better rewards that were prepared for us. He has heaven waiting for us. That's your destination. That's where you're headed. That's why the people in Hebrews 11, the great men and women of faith, could keep going when their dreams died because they knew where they were going. They knew their destination. They knew that sometimes God will redirect a dream. Sometimes God will use someone else to accomplish your dream. All we can hold on to is that we have a better reward coming. We have a promise of eternity, and that dream will neither fail nor die. So look to God's face, hold on to that promise of heaven, and let's go. Let's go. Will you pray with me? And as we're praying, if you could just close your eyes and bow your heads to block out distractions. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this time. And even though it was a hard word, Lord, it was a hopeful word. And Lord, we, we feel your presence here. And Lord, you have, you have said that you will comfort those who mourn. So Father, I just pray for those who are mourning today. Whether it's the loss of a loved one, the loss of a dream, Whatever their loss is, Lord, will you comfort them and meet them right where they are, just supernaturally. And Father, when we're encountering people who are grieving, will you make us a people of compassion? Lord, help us weep with those who weep. And Lord, I think of people who who are crying because they're waiting for justice and they don't see justice coming. Help us be a people who weep with them. Thank you, Lord. Lord, help us to seek your presence, to seek your face. And we thank you for your hands, for all you do for us, for the miracles you provide, for the mountains you've moved the giants in our life that you have killed. Thank you. But Lord, help us seek your face, just your presence, just to be with you. And Lord, for anyone who's here today and they are not sure about their destination, they might never have thought about it. And they're saying, I'm not so sure that that is where I'm headed, that, that heaven is in the cards for me. I, I hope. If that's you, you can know. All you have to do is just say yes. And on the table right now, the invitation is a call from God to say, come, come do things my way. Come follow me. And if you just say yes, that's all it takes. If that's you, in your heart, just say yes today. 
Just say yes. So, Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you that you choose to work through us and in us and among us. And I pray that you bless them this week with your love and your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining in today. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to leave a review, subscribe to this channel, and share with a friend. We'd also love the chance to connect with you. You can text the word NEW to 786-705-8930. Again, that's NEW to 786-705-8930. And we'll give you some next steps with how to plug in and get connected here at Miami Vineyard. We hope you have an amazing week, and thanks again for listening.